Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Emmy. I know we typically do like a midnight 1am recording. I know that's kind of when we get our best work done, but I'm feeling energized. Like I feel confident about this one. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. I, I love a midnight recording too, because I think it's when I'm like the first time throughout the day that I'm actually fully awake. Midnight is daytime for me in case you haven't been following. Um, but I feel really good right now, actually. No, I know you do. I can tell and I appreciate it. So... I kind of wanted to explain how this episode is going to go down, but also what we've been doing recently, just because it seems like we've gotten some new listeners recently, which first of all, hi. (laughs) Welcome, welcome. Yes, welcome. We're so happy to have you. Um, But you know, on Monday, we obviously do our big pop culture breakdown. And then on Thursdays, we do our Kardashian bonus show. And when Keeping Up is on, we do that on Friday and we basically just recap the previous night's Keeping Up. But since they've been on hiatus, we went back and we did a season one full recap episode by episode. And two weeks ago, we did a palate cleanser episode where we basically analyzed a 2016 Harper's Bazaar interview that Chloe did. And our plan was this week, we were going to start with season two, which we did watch the episode. And by the way, Julie, I know you and I didn't even discuss it yet, but holy fuck, how good was that? Iconic episode. You forgot, right? So did I, don't worry. I forgot how many, like iconic Kardashian lines came from that episode, you know? Yes, I know. I can't wait to talk about it next week. Yeah, that's that's a whole other one. But, you know, I first of all, I obviously recognize that not only is our podcast pop culture based, but our Kardashian bonus show is Kardashian focused. And it would have felt, I just think, off to not kind of devote this episode to what has been going on over the last 72 hours with Kanye and with the Kardashians. And, you know, a lot of people were writing in wanting us to do an emergency episode. And I don't know, for to us, it just felt a little inappropriate because we, 
we would be doing this episode anyway. And so I think it makes sense to talk about what's going on, but we wanted to just, you know, there's a, there's a, a lot of different things here. And I think at the core of it, we're talking about mental health and we wanted to do that sensitively and have really, you know, a conversation about the facts of what's been going on, but also what that means in the greater picture. And then like, let, let's be honest about it. You know, there's, because of the way this is playing out, there is celebrity things being thrown in and there's Drake and Larsa and Meek Mill. And I think everybody is just really confused and we want to talk about it, but with a lot of sensitivity and in a way that, you know, in a way that we f- can feel good about, right? Yeah, I think that, well, I think that usually when we do quote emergency episodes, they're usually more drama focused. And I just think the, f- the focus of this conversation should be more about like the mental health aspect and what's going on and less about the drama, even though there is an aspect of that that does play in. It's kind of like so much less of the main focus here. Right, exactly. So we'll, you know, we'll talk about that at the end, but I don't, that's not what we want the core of this to be, right? Yeah, exactly. I think the way that Julie and I feel is as human beings, yes, but specifically having a platform, it's our responsibility to inform people, but also to make sure that anything we're talking about, we're framing it with a real sense of compassion. And specifically with this topic, the way that we've seen the media kind of take it and run with it is something that we don't want to contribute to. And so we want to be really conscious when we talk about this, that we are not contributing to that narrative because I know that it's, you know, he is a public figure. This is happening in a very unconventional way you know, in terms of Twitter and people being brought in and we're talking about one of the most famous families in the world. But at the bottom line, he is a human being. And as fellow human beings, we just want to give him the kindness that we would give anyone, even if, you know, our personal opinions don't agree. Like, as you know, I am by no means a Kanye West fan. I don't think that his, my personality would jive with his. It's not a thing, but I feel like we all kind of have to take that away for a second and just understand the core of what's going on, which is someone that is struggling with a mental illness that is currently being untreated. And I just want to make sure we are, um, I just want to make sure that we are not contributing to any of the negativity that's, or meanness that is being spread. Do you think that's fair, Julie, to say? Yeah, exactly fair. Definitely. Yeah. So I kind of think the best way to do this is I know people are confused. And first thing, of course, we want to make sure everybody is caught up to speed and on the same page. So I think the best way to do this is I'm going to recap what happened over the last 48 or 72 hours. And we have pretty much all of the tweets. We're going to read those in addition to reading Kim's statement, just so that everybody has the information, because I think it's hard to understand what's going on if you don't even have the context of what was actually said. So let me just strictly factually read that. And then we can get into a little bit more of a discussion. But I just ask all of you as you're listening, and also just like in your own lives, when you're talking about this, just remember that he's a person and we may really dislike him. We may dislike some of his views, but at the bottom line, he's a person. And if we, if our goal as a country is to destigmatize mental illness, like I said last week, we can't only do it for people that we like. It has to be regardless of who they are, if celebrity or not. So I think that I, I would feel good if we could walk away from this kind of really hammering that message home. Right, Julie? Yes. Yes. I think that's incredibly important. 
So let's start from the beginning. And by the beginning, I don't mean when he announced that he was running for president or his Forbes interview. As you guys know, I think it was two weeks ago or, or last Monday, we spoke at length after the Forbes interview. But you know, I want to speak more so about what has transpired in the last 72 hours. So his first official presidential rally in South Carolina was on Sunday. And it was happening at the exact same time, or the videos were coming out at the exact same time that we were recording the podcast. So we didn't really speak on it too much. We spent like a minute at the end just because we don't really like to cover something unless we fully know what's going on. And it wasn't really until Monday that more videos started to come out. And still, I haven't seen a video of the entire thing, but I think the two parts that have been most spoken about were, you know, you see it. I first just want to say, take for one second away what he's actually saying, because I'll get into that. This was a man clearly in pain, really clearly in pain and clearly needing help. And, you know, he spoke about how when Kim called him to say that she was pregnant with North, he initially wanted her to have an abortion and he was screaming and hysterically crying and saying, you know, I almost killed my daughter. I almost killed my daughter. Um, He made a comment about Harriet Tubman saying, quote, she never actually freed the slaves. She just had them work for other white people. Uh, A lot of, uh, just a lot of different um, comments being made. And you could tell, I think the most, the most telling thing about that was not even so much in what he was saying, more so in the emotions on his face and the way that you could tell he had such a heightened sense of emotion, regardless of what he was talking about. Like there's been so many times where he said and done things, but you're just reading about it or you're reading his tweets prior to last night, like other times. But this was one of the first times where you kind of saw it happening in real time and videos of it and like seeing him actually going through it. Yeah, exactly. And it was really, I don't know if anybody else had this experience, but I know for Julie and I, it was really, really hard to watch just because you know, it's painful when there's a sense of helplessness, which obviously we are helpless, but I'm saying I can imagine even those closest to him feel a sense of helplessness when, you know, you can't trust that the when something like that comes out, that the world is going to treat it with like the kindness that it deserves. And I just, I don't know, it, it was just, it was sad, I think is, is the overwhelming emotion, alarming and sad. So... The next thing that happened is on Monday, he starts tweeting. I'm going to try my best to do these in chronological order, but it's not that easy to just because of the way that they kind of came out and we were screenshotting fast. So he starts with, if I get locked up like Mandela, y'all will know why. Kim tried to bring a doctor to lock me up with a doctor. Chris, don't play with me. You and that Kamiye are not allowed around my children. Y'all tried to lock me up. Everybody knows the movie Get Out is about me. I put my life on the line for my children. The North's mother would never sell her sex tape. I put my life on my God that North's mom would never photograph her doing Playboy and that's on God. I'm at the ranch. Come and get me. Drake with an emoji. And then Chris and Kim call me now. He then posted a screenshot of his conversation with Chris where he messaged her and said, this yay, you ready to talk now or are we still avoiding my calls? He then posted a picture with his kids and said, West children will never do Playboy West. He then said, Kim was trying to fly to Wyoming with a doctor to lock me up like on the movie Get Out because I cried about saving my daughter's life yesterday. I love my wife. My family must live next to me. It's not up to E or NBC anymore. NBC locked up Bill Cosby. And then I'm a focus on my music now. That was basically it for Monday. And then on Tuesday, last night, it was around, I don't know, Julia, 3 a.m. I think this happened. Yeah. 
Yeah. He started tweeting. The first one was white supremacy is at its highest, no cap. And it was a screenshot of that initial text conversation with Chris. She didn't answer based on the text. And he said, this, yeah, you want to talk or go to war? And he said in all caps, all positivity when the devil attacks. Even if I never see my kids till they're 18, because you believe white people. On God, North will never be exploited by the system of white supremacy. He then said, MJ told you about Tommy before they killed him. Kim saved my daughter's life in the name of Jesus. It's God's choice only will, will live for my children. Chris, I'm in Cody. If you're not planning another one of your children's Playboy shoots. In case anybody hasn't picked up on this, Kanye is at the ranch in Cody, Wyoming. I can't say with 100% certainty, but I think that Kim is in LA. Yeah, that's then, what it seems like. Yeah. Then come and get me. Then Larsa again with the same emoji that he tweeted when he tweeted Drake. Then in Jesus name, no more cap. Then Drake again with that same emoji. Then he said, um, they tried to fly in with two doctors to 5150 me. I've been trying to get divorced since Kim met with Meek at the Waldorf for quote prison reform. I got 200 more to go. This is my last tweet of the night. Chris Jong-un, little baby, my favorite rapper, but won't do a song with me. And then he retweeted his tweet about um, saying, MJ told you about Tommy before he killed him. And he, she, he said, we can handle this like gentlemen. And he said, should I name more? And he said, Chris and Kim put out a statement without my approval. That's not what a wife should do. White supremacy. He then was tweeting a lot of um, things about his album that he saying is coming soon called Donda, which is obviously his mother's name. Also, if anybody is confused on the MJ aspect of it, basically Michael Jackson had accused Tommy Mottola, who was the Sony music chairman of conspiring against black artists. People seem to be, I saw on Twitter, people thought that it was about MJ Kardashian's grandmother. So in case anybody was confused, that was the context there. I thought it was about MJ too. And I was like, listen, we can do a lot of things here, but dragging MJ into the conversation is not going to be one of them. For a split second, I didn't know. And then I, and then I like clicked for me. Um, so that was, th- those were basically most of the tweets. And then this morning, uh, Kim posted a stream of three Instagram stories and I'm going to read them all just in case anybody didn't see. As many of you know, Kanye has bipolar disorder. Anyone who has this or has a loved one in their life who does knows how incredibly complicated and painful it is to understand. I've never spoken publicly about how this has affected us at home because I'm very protective of our children and Kanye's right to privacy when it comes to his health. But today I feel like I should comment on it because of the stigma and misconceptions about mental health. Those that understand mental illness or even compulsive behavior know that the family is powerless unless the member is a minor. People who are unaware or far removed from this experience can be judgmental and not understand that the individual themselves has to engage in the process of getting help no matter how hard family and friends try. I understand Kanye is subject to criticism because he is a public figure and his actions at times can cause strong opinions and emotions. He is a brilliant but complicated person who on top of the pressures of being an artist and a black man who experienced the painful loss of his mother and has to deal with the pressure and isolation that is heightened by his bipolar disorder. Those who are close with Kanye know his heart and understand his words sometimes do not align with his intentions. Living with bipolar disorder does not diminish or invalidate his dreams and his creative ideas, no matter how big or unattainable they may feel to some. That is part of his genius, and as we have all witnessed, many of his big dreams have come true. We as a society talk about giving grace to the issue of mental health as a whole. However, we should also give it to the individuals who are living with it in times when they need it the most. I kindly ask that the media and public give us the compassion and empathy that is needed so we can get through this. Thank you for those who have expressed concern for Kanye's well-being and for your understanding. With love and gratitude, Kim Kardashian West. 
So at the time that we're recording this, that is the most recent update in terms of what is being said by either of them. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty much the most up to date. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Okay, there are a lot of different things to discuss here. You know, the first thing that I want to touch on is the fact that, and Kim kind of alluded to this in her statement, you know, I think people's first response is like, why isn't anyone doing anything? Why isn't anyone doing anything? And what you have to understand is that, like Kim said, unless the person is a minor, there are very few things that those around them can do if somebody is refusing help. There's a 5150, which Kanye mentioned in his tweet, which is a you know, 72 hour involuntary psychiatric hold that friends and family can place that person on. But with the exception of that, there is nothing that um, can force someone to do anything. And I have been in the situation of wanting to help. Um, and it's, 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 uh, it's a very challenging spot to be in for everybody involved, for the person that is suffering and also for those around them. So I think just generally speaking, you know, every, we, we all have to really before putting blame on anyone, recognize that like, it's, it's far more complicated than just like, okay, so then just get him help. It, it doesn't work like that. It legally can't work like that, you know? Yeah. Well, that was also a narrative I think we saw a lot was people saying like, they have all the money and the resources in the world. Like, why aren't they doing something for him? And I never like or liked any amount of blaming being put on Kim or being put on the Kardashians because- there's only so much they can do. Like, this is a very complicated situation and a very complex situation. And I think to just sum it up to saying that Kim's not doing enough is so unfair and just so wrong, actually. So I feel like her statement more than anything else, like, I felt like, first of all, I thought it was so classy and like, so perfectly well done and well said. But like, I think we just have to really understand that like, Kim's doing what she can do. She can only do so much. No, absolutely. And I can't, you know, that's, I think, something that's really hard as someone who is watching this unfold because you feel this real sense of sadness for everybody involved, you know, for, I think this is hard enough no matter what, no matter who who the person is, but then when it is so magnified by 
the public and every single move you make is scrutinized. It's like, it's really disheartening when clearly this man is in the middle of a very serious manic episode. And the next morning you see these disgusting headlines like Kim Kardashian files for divorce amid Kanye West mental breakdown or, or like Kim Kardashian leaves distraught Kanye in the dust. Like these are some of the headlines I'm seeing this morning. And it's like, what, how is any of that helpful to this narrative? First of all, None of us know what's actually going on behind the scenes. We can't speak to that. But second of all, and I can speak from this from personal experience as someone who has placed someone on a 5150, not, not someone with bipolar with schizophrenia, it is, it is a, it's one of the most, and it was not a family member. It was one of the most helpless I have ever felt in my entire life. Um, and I, I don't think that that's a, I think it's an, it's a really understandable to be alarmed and to have fear and to have sadness and even to have anger at some of the things he's saying totally. But to then misdirect that blame on Kim just because she's an easy target is not fair. This woman, take the, away the fact that she is Kim Kardashian. She's a mother. She's a mother to four little kids. I don't care how much money she has. Yes, of course, that makes it easier. And I think people dealing with this that don't have the resources they have, of course, that's you know, unimaginably more difficult. Yes. But at the bottom line, she's a human being and a mother who's dealing with this. And I, I, I wish, I wish people would be more sensitive to that because that it's, it's just not fair, you know? Yeah. And also the sensitivity angle, first of all, applying to them and their family, you know, but also we have to understand that the things we're saying are being read by so many people and we don't know what those people reading it are struggling with or whether or not they have bipolar or whether they have family members with bipolar. Like, I just think that we all have to understand that when you put something out on the internet or you put out an article or you put out a tweet and an opinion, like you're putting it out essentially into a void. And I think a lot of the times we think of it as just like, you know, no one's reading it or no one we know is reading it. But like, it's a really dangerous narrative to step forth when you start, you know, running with all of these ideas and opinions you have about the situation. And there are people on the other side who are struggling also reading it and reading like, you know, if again, and you said this earlier in the episode, like if our goal is to end the stigma around mental health, then it has to involve everybody's mental health. Like it can't just be celebrity. It can't just be Kanye. It also has to be an understanding of like, if you're making fun of somebody going through an episode, if you're posting memes, if you think this is the funniest thing that's ever happened on the internet, you're damaging somebody else by doing that. Not just Kanye. There's a world of people that are struggling that you are damaging by putting forth a narrative that this is something that's okay to laugh at or make fun of or find jokes in. Exactly. I think the other thing that's so important to remember is that bipolar disorder is not like a one size fits all thing. And it looks really different for everybody. And, you know, I, I saw this a lot. Um, people posting on Twitter, there was this one thread and a lot of people were saying, you know, I'm upset because I have bipolar disorder. This was not me. This was a tweet. Someone was saying, you know, I'm upset because I have bipolar disorder. I am medicated and I leave a very, I lead a very normal functional life. And I don't appreciate the fact that we are all being painted with the same brushstroke of, you know, it's a constant stream of manic episodes. And by the way, not that there's anything shameful with that, but I think there's a frustration within the mental health community, or at least one that I've been I've been perceiving and I, and I could be off, but this seems to be a common trend that I was picking up on when I was reading people's, you know, statements was saying like bipolar disorder doesn't just, 
it, it goes deeper than that. There's more there. Not everybody's the exact same. And I think that's another thing that has to be like paid attention to, you know? Yeah, definitely. Well, the thing with Kanye and this situation is that if you really have no understanding of bipolar disorder, and this is the first time you're being introduced to it, and this is your first experience with seeing somebody deal with it, then you're getting a very different and very uh, skewed view of what it actually means to be living with bipolar disorder. Because we're seeing somebody, you know, at their lowest. And our opinion, if you have no experience with this, is being formed based on watching somebody in the public eye at their lowest point. And it's unfair, I think, to set forth that narrative that, you know, look at this. This is what bipolar disorder looks like. No, this is what one example of bipolar disorder looks like. This is what one person person struggling with bipolar disorder looks like. This is just one example you can't just have this blanket idea of mental illness and bipolar disorder and any other type of um, mental illness you want to throw under that umbrella because you can't look at this one person and then form that opinion of everybody else. And I think that's what, I mean, based on what I've seen, I can't speak for anybody else, but I think that's what, you know, a lot of people are saying is like, it's very dangerous that everyone is getting, you know, this view of bipolar disorder. And, you know, I'm just a random person living in Ohio, you know, living my life. And I would love for people to be able to see, you know, this side of it, but I'm not a celebrity. I can't put forth that side. I can't allow people to see that because I don't have enough reach. So I think Halsey did a really great job with her tweets and saying like, listen, I've, I've dedicated my life to this too. And I think that we all have to be sensitive and understanding about this topic because it is a very, very complicated topic. No, it is. And also, you know, specifically, if, if we want to move specifically to the example of Kanye, like I, one, yes, we happen to know, um, you know, about bipolar just because we've studied it, but we're not psychiatrists. We don't, we don't practice, you know, we don't practice, we don't know enough about it. And also we don't know Kanye, which I don't care that you could be the best doctor in the world. You don't know Kanye. So I think it's really dangerous to uh, make specific statements about him specifically in his exact case without really knowing him. And I saw, I want to bring this up because I think it's important to mention in the conversation, not because it's, uh, let me, let me be very clear with my words. Not because I feel either of us have the right to speak on it, but I want to just amplify this message because I think it's an important point to be brought in and everybody can form their own opinion on that as they may, or I'm sure people may have their own thoughts. But Mark Lamont Hill, this is where I initially saw it, reposted this woman, um, Imani Barberin's tweet. And this tweet got a lot of attention, specifically within the black community based on what I was seeing on Twitter. And she tweeted... One, Kanye has mental illnesses. Two, Kanye is anti-black and misogynistic. Three, Kanye's anti-blackness and misogyny is not a result of his mental illness. Four, correlating those things is dangerous to people with mental illness. And what I saw based on the response was there were kind of two approaches to that. And the first was, you know, how... um, how is it fair to evaluate what what parts of what he's saying is a result of the manic episode he's experiencing and how much of it is not if you don't know him? And then the other side of it, and I saw this predominantly, again, this is, I cannot speak for anyone, I'm just saying with what I saw, predominantly from people uh, struggling with, with bipolar disorder saying 
thank you for saying that because what's going on is painting a really dangerous picture of the type of rhetoric that, quote, people with bipolar disorder spread. And those were kind of the two main uh, conversations that I saw happening. And I also saw a lot of threads within the Black community of people having really differing opinions on what he, you know, what, what, what he was saying and whether it was anti-Black or not. I can't, Julie and I can't speak on that. We are not Black people, we don't have that right. I just think it's an important element of the conversation that we would be remiss to not mention because of how widely it is being talked about. Do you think that's fair to say, Julie? Yeah, it is fair. I mean, listen, I can't, like you said, I can't give an opinion one way or another on that. I just, I don't think it's my place, especially as somebody who doesn't have mental illness, who isn't Black. I just, I, I it's not my place to say whether or not that's a fair statement, whether or not Kanye reflects those things. Um uh, yeah, I, I do agree also, though, that the idea, I'm trying to think of how I want to word it, the idea of every negative thing being a result of somebody's mental illness rather than just the person that they are, and I'm talking general here, not specific to Kanye, just in general, I think that narrative is dangerous, and I think that's the overarching point that you know this tweet's trying to get at, is like, once you associate you know, negativity with mental illness to this extent or negative personality traits or negative, um, I I guess things in general, that's another narrative that's very damaging to people who are living with bipolar disorder without those things. And I, I said something last week that somebody inboxed us about where I was saying that like there are aspects of Kanye's personality that could be a result of bipolar disorder. And I think the point in what I was saying there was just like, we don't know. It is really hard to examine somebody and pick out every aspect of of who they are and try to associate it with what's who they are and what's their illness because we don't know enough to do that. And I think that something a lot of the times we do with Kanye is that when he does something great, it's Kanye. And when he does something that we don't like, we're like, oh, well, he's mentally ill. And I'm saying a lot of people do. I'm not saying everybody does that, but I'm saying that is a narrative we see often. And I just don't think it's fair for us to take any assumptions of what he does and what he says and try and label it or associate it with a certain aspect of him. Cause I think it just, it's very complicated. Like, you know, a lot of the times I think we think we know celebrities so well. And I, and I literally mean we as in me and you, but also everybody else. Um, but we get snippets of their lives and we get snippets of conversations and we get very small viewpoints into who they are. So to form an opinion about a person as a whole based on what we're seeing, I think is unfair in general. And I know we do that a lot because I think it's human nature to want to like examine celebrities and and think we know them better than we do. But most of the time we don't know. We're just, you know, going based on what we see. Kim has a whole whole has a whole home life with Kanye that we are not privy to. And therefore I just think it's really um hard for us to try and determine and pick apart the aspects of his personality and the aspects of what he says and try and give that a specific label. No, I, I completely agree. And I feel it's more, I just don't feel comfortable doing it. And I don't, I really like, trust me on this. It's not like I don't feel comfortable doing that just publicly on a public platform, because I think we have a responsibility to speak on it in a certain way. I don't feel comfortable doing that in my text with Julie. Like we're, that is just not something that we have the knowledge to do. And I mean, like literally all of us, anybody who isn't a doctor and doesn't know him, I just don't think that it's, I don't think that that's our place. Um, 
I guess my, I do want to get in, in, uh, in one minute, I just do want to talk about some of the specific things that he mentioned regarding the celebrity aspect of it, because I know people were asking us about that and asking our thoughts on that. And it's being, it's being said publicly. So, you know, everybody is going to speculate kind of anyway, but I just, what I really, really want to get across is like, you don't have to like the guy. You can fucking hate the guy. And that's fair. Your opinions on that are on him are totally fair and valid. At the same time, I just would really ask for everyone to just be kind because it's kind of like how I use the example sometimes that they say when you speak negatively as a woman, when you speak negatively about your own body, you're bringing all women down with you. And that doesn't mean that you have to preach body positivity and like say, speak, you know, that you love it if you don't love it, but just that's, it's kind of like you're, you're it's an attack on all women because you're measuring us down to our weight. It's kind of a similar concept here in the sense of like, when you are saying something really cruel regarding the manic episode he is experiencing at the same, what you are doing with that same token is you are invalidating a lot of other people that are struggling. And I just, I, I do feel like it's our responsibility with this platform. Not that people take our opinions that, you know, people can form whatever they want, but I, wouldn't sleep well at night if I didn't get that point across because I think it's really, really important. Like we all, as a world, we have to be kinder. Everybody knows that. Like we are living in one of the most unkind societies we've ever seen. And I just think we can, what we can do is like we can start here. And if that helps one other person look at it a different way or consider to look at it a different way or maybe stop uh, stops their hatred of Kanye. And I'm on that plane with you. I don't hate him, but I'm not a fan. Uh, if, if we can, if, if we can maybe impact someone to let their opinions of him as a person go to the wayside for a second and understand the severity of the mental illness that he is the untreated mental illness that he's currently dealing with. I think that that will be a positive use of this space. Yeah. And also on the reverse to that point, and I'm not talking about myself here. I'm just saying in general, like if you are a Kanye fan, like just because you're watching somebody go through something or saying things that the world disagrees with, I don't think that necessarily means that you have to like, I don't know how I want to word this. Like, I don't think that necessarily means that that has to negate everything that you've previously thought about Kanye. Like, I think something that we do with um, artists is like, we talk about this a lot. And like the reason why it seems like artists have quote stands, but like other celebrities really don't to that extent. And I think the reason that that happens a lot of the time is because I think music is one of like the most personal forms of connection that you can make with a person that you don't actually know. And I think a lot of that time it results in like extreme fandom. Like we see that with so many different artists. Um, And the fact of the matter is, is that like we've had Kanye's music in our life since we were little, like we grew up with it. And like, I think that a lot of people feel like when they think back on their lives and they think back on specific memories and specific events, there's almost like a soundtrack that goes along with that. And if you're a really like big Kanye fan, or if you're a lifelong Kanye fan, like a lot of that soundtrack to your life is going to be put to Kanye's music because it kind of, like you can look at different points in your life and different events and be like, that's when that album came out. That's when this song came out. I remember listening to this song at this event, like, and those can still mean a lot to you. And those events can still mean a lot to you. And that music can still mean a lot to you, regardless of what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Well, totally. And that's a, that's just like a general statement I think even more broadly than Kanye, than celebrity that like people's, the magic that they have created should never be negated based on a current, like internal problem that they are experiencing, you know? Right. 
I just think this is a very, and I'll say it again, a very, very complicated situation. And I think a lot of the times when we're dealing with Kanye, it's really easy to just be like, oh, fuck him. Like, especially when he says things that we don't agree with. And I think the thing here is just to emphasize again, like you can be hurt by the things he says, even if those things are a result of mental illness, even if those things are a result of his bipolar disorder, the things he's saying, and he doesn't mean them necessarily. And I'm not saying that for sure. I'm just saying like, we don't know one way or another. You're still allowed to be hurt by those things. Like you are allowed to have a reaction to what he's saying and not a positive one because that affects you personally or that affects you on some level. But that doesn't have to negate the sensitivity that you feel towards him. Those two things can exist at the same time. Absolutely. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliayi was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like, Generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like You shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Okay, so I know that in his tweets, there were a lot of names mentioned, and I feel like all of us would be lying if we said that we're not kind of curious as to what's going on. And Julie and I don't have any information that you guys don't have, but we did a little bit of background. We want to try to kind of contextualize a little bit of it and see, because anytime Lars is mentioned, like, I'm interested. I I can't help it. I just can't help it, you know? That's like me and Drake. Yeah, exactly. So the first one is obviously he mentioned Meek Mill. And that one, I think, came a little bit more out of left field versus Drake and Larsa because he had mentioned both of them previously. And as we all know, you know, Drake and Kanye have not been on great terms. We'll get into the background on that. And as we also know, the family and Larsa have not been on good terms. We'll talk about that in a second. But when he tweeted, I've been trying to get divorced since Kim met with Meek at the Waldorf for, quote, prison reform. So since that tweet, Meek has responded and he posted on, I mean, apparently responded. He didn't say it directly, but it seems. He wrote, shit is cap, come on, with dot, dot, dot. And, you know, via TMZ, Kim and Meek apparently were at the same summit last year, a prison reform summit at the Waldorf Astoria. But 
the other people were there. Apparently Kim left immediately after and they are both part of uh, Cut 50, which is the organization that fights for reduced incarceration rates and criminal justice reform. They're both active with that organization in different ways. So it makes total sense that they would be at the summit together. And apparently, I can't say if this is true, but from the article, it said that, you know, this was not something that had been spoken about before. I guess Kanye had some jealousy that Kim was unaware of. And this was, at least to the public, this was the first time that he mentioned that, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was shocked when when Beek's name came up, especially because, like, I don't, I don't know. I can't say this with certainty, but I don't think that Kanye and Meek have an issue where, like, if Kim met with him, regardless of what it was, what what it would have been about, that Kanye would have considered that a betrayal. I, I'm not aware of that. I don't think it would be like if Kim met with Drake to discuss something like that. Obviously. Kanye would have, you know, had an issue with that. I was unaware that there was anything involving Meek and there may not be. It may just because of the situation. Um, but also like Meek is very well known for his activism, doing very similar things to what Kim's doing. Meek works with Jay-Z. So it's not weird or surprising in the slightest that Kim would have had some sort of a meeting with him. I'm actually surprised that there was only one meeting. I would have expected there to be a lot. No, I, I felt the same way. So that, you know, as far as that goes, I don't really think there's more to say on that. I mean, if you're asking my personal opinion, I don't, I don't think there's any truth to the fact that Kim Kardashian and Meek Mill had an affair. That's just me. Um, but it doesn't seem to go deeper, at least surface level wise. So he also tweeted Larsa and Drake, Drake twice, Larsa once with that same emoji, like the one where you're kind of like pondering. And today, since then, Larsa made an Instagram story that said, I woke up this morning blessed blessed to see that everybody is focused on who I'm following and who I'm not following on social media. I'm focused on my children, my new fitness brand, Larsa Pippin Fitness, and my relationships in real life, praying that everybody finds peace in their own lives and focus on what brings them happiness. Okay, I want to make something very clear. I don't know what is going on, but there are a million like uh, sites reporting today. Uh, Larsa Pippin unfollows Kardashian family amid Kanye West drama. No, that is clickbait. Larsa and the Kardashians have not been following each other for a while now. I can't tell you the exact date, but this has been weeks. If we if, if we are correct in this, Courtney was the last one to unfollow her. And it was at least two, three weeks ago, maybe even more, because we were talking about it then. Um, so don't fall into that trap. That Yes, I don't think they're on good terms, but it's not because of what happened yesterday. And that's just clickbait. So I feel like, I feel like you and I always want to make that clear with this kind of stuff in terms of the following yeah. thing. Yeah, because it, it just bothers me so much, especially when you see like specific news sites and articles that have already written this story six times before, but then are now claiming that they just noticed it for the first time or, or you know, it suddenly happened. Like if you wrote this article four months ago when people were talking about it four months ago, you can't write another article again saying suddenly unfollows because you know that that's not the case. And just to go to that point, like completely has nothing to do with this. But this is why when people talk about like blah, blah, unfollowed after this, blah, blah, unfollowed, and they just show the fact that they're not following each other anymore. Like you don't know when that unfollow occurred. All you know is that in this point in time, they're not following each other. That's why when we were talking about Megan Thee Stallion and Kylie, and it said that Kylie didn't follow Megan Thee Stallion and she unfollowed, like we don't know when that happened. We don't know if they were ever even following each other. You're just going based on like searching the name into the search bar. And that right. always just, like drives me crazy for some reason. And just to be super clear, there's not even a 1% part of me that thinks that Lars and the Kardashians are on good terms. You guys know, I, 
like, and I said this last week, but I'll say it again in case anybody didn't listen to that episode. Like I get that the Kardashians and Jordan are, you know, no longer on speaking terms or they're not friends. I still though do not view Jordan in the way that I view Larsa. I really like Jordan. I respect Jordan. I think that it was a mutual decision. Like this is just not right. Whereas Larsa, I don't trust her for one second. I think that it, you know, she was trying to benefit off of that drama. So I don't know what Kanye exactly was alluding to. I don't know if it had something to do with Drake because I know he had previously mentioned the fact that Drake sleeps with a lot of Kim's friends. If it was just something that she did to betray the family, I don't know, but that one wasn't surprising. But this is new information and I cannot speak to the legitimacy of this. I didn't see with my own two eyes and neither did Julie, but I feel like we at least have to mention it. So this morning, this, the Shade Room posted this tweet by someone and the, the tweet basically said, like, everything that I got from this Kanye situation is that Larsa slept with Tristan, but that she didn't get dragged by the family because he kissed her. They were basically saying, like, you dragged Jordan and Larsa's just, you know, got, got off on the hook. Apparently, according to the screenshot, Jordan liked that tweet. When I went to her likes, it wasn't there. I can't say that it happened. I don't know if it's photoshopped, but like in case there's a second of legitimacy to that, I just wanted to mention it because it is a story that's being talked about right now. So if you're confused, I want you to know that's where it's coming from. I don't even want to like go into that zone right now because I don't think it's a productive or positive use of time. But what I will say <laughs> is if there's any truth to that, that whole thing, which I, I can't imagine there is, holy literal fuck. I'm still confused how like, this is what I'm saying. Like you and I, spend so much time talking about these people. Like it, it's literally like bordering on, on crazy at this point. But like, I think the way we approach things is so logical and like, so from a place of, of knowing them as well as you could know them. So like, I just feel like when we look at things, we don't draw crazy conclusions. Like it's usually based in like previous things that have happened. So I think what's always so interesting is the way that Twitter runs with narratives about the Kardashians, especially like when they don't know them well and they just like go based on what their preconceived notions of the situation are. So it's always so interesting to me how like people arrive at these conclusions. Like I don't really get how tweeting Larsa's name allowed people to arrive at the conclusion that she slept with Tristan. Do you? No, I, I was, I was, I thought I was missing something. Like I thought, you know, this person had more information than we had. And then I realized, no, she, this person was speaking solely from only Kanye's tweets. And like, I just, there's no part of me that feels comfortable with saying that Kanye tweeting Lars's name with some emoji is indicative of that. Do I think that she's a bad friend? Do I totally support the decision to get, you know, to not, to kind of cut ties with her? That's my just intuition. I can't speak factually. Like, that's just what I feel. But no, I, 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 I would be floored by the Tristan narrative. Stranger things have happened, but I would be floored. I really would so, be. And if, that is, and if that is the case, I'd be even more, you know, I would understand Jordan's uh, anger entirely because of the different ways that those would be treated. But I feel almost stupid even entertaining that with such little evidence. So like, I feel like it's just not even a smart move to even go there, you know? Same. I, I totally agree. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the Drake element of this. So Kanye tweeted Drake's name twice with that same emoji. And let's just give like one second of background just to catch everybody up. So Kanye and Drake have been working together for years. They, in around 2008, 2009, Drake said to MTV about Kanye. And this was when, you know, he wasn't as well known. Best I ever had had just come out. 
He said, quote, before I ever got the chance to meet him, Kanye West shaped a lot of what I do. As far as music goes, we always, always, always took the time to listen to Kanye's music and appreciate it beyond. We search the samples and we find out where his inspiration came from because he has one of the best ears in music, period. He knows how to recognize great music that's not his. He knows how to utilize great sounds and great music. So before I met him, I had the utmost respect for Kanye West. I'd even go as far as to say he's the most influential person as far as a musician that I've ever had in my life. And, you know, over the years, they've kind of dissed each other, but it was, for a long time, it was almost playful. Like in 2015, Kanye compared Drake to a quote, sparring partner. And I don't think it ever really got vicious. And then in May, 2018, that's when Pusha tells the world about Drake's son. Drake blamed Kanye for that happening. And in September, 2018, there was the Twitter rumor that Drake and Kim slept together. And that was all based on that lyric, Kiki, you, <laughs> I was about to sing it. Oh, wow, I love how you were going to sing that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see it and not sing it, but Kiki, do you love me? And also the sicko mode verse that said, crept down the block, made it right. If you guys don't remember, there was that long, long, long Twitter kind of like conspiracy theory that was saying, if you go out of you know, Kim's house, you go down the block, make a right. It's to Drake's house, Kiki. That's what they call Kim. There was this whole kind of lengthy theory. That's when the articles were swirling. And that was, you know, Kanye was on Instagram at the time and he posted an Instagram video that basically said, quote, people making rumors are thinking you fuck with my wife and you're not saying nothing. That don't sit well with my spirit. You know, if I had a girlfriend from Chicago, her name was Renita and you want, and you was married to Rihanna. I wouldn't make no song called Riri. So when you're like, I don't know where it came from. You're too smart for that, bro. Kim denied that in an Instagram comment. She had commented on the Shade Rooms post about it and wrote, never happened, end of story. And in December, 2018, when Kanye, you know, had another kind of lengthy string of tweets, a lot of those were targeted at Drake. And this was around the same time when he was going on TMZ and there was the SNL thing. The, there was, he went on um, that rant after the show. So it's been a very complicated relationship between the two of them. It's interesting because the Kardashians as a whole seem to have a, a good relationship with Drake, at least. I mean, you know, you see Kylie and, and Chloe at his birthday party, et cetera. I also know there have been rumors that Kylie and Drake hooked up. I don't don't know if that's true, but uh, it's messy is, is all I'm going to say. Yeah. I mean, Drake is kind of the person that keeps getting pulled into this. And you're right. Like, from everything that it seems, aside from Kanye, like it seems like Drake has a good relationship with, relationship with the family. Like Drake and Travis are really close, obviously, Sego Mode. Um, Drake and Kris Jenner are very close. Because if you remember when Kanye was tweeting um, all of those things about Drake and saying, remember, he was saying that like Drake threatened him and... He, remember he tweeted, he was like, um, never, never threaten North Saint Chicago's dad ever. And then Kim had tweeted something saying like, Drake, don't mess with my husband. Um, Kanye was also tweeting at the time, like, how are you going to text Chris and not talk to me? Like all of that stuff. So it is interesting when you look at his relationships with other people. I mean, Drake has a song that mentions Chris. Like Drake has a song called 4 p.m. in Calabasas that says like, I see Chris Jenner beep twice and wave. So it's just like, it's not like when you're talking about Drake and Kanye that they're just two separate entities away from the whole family. He's kind of like interwoven with everybody, which is so interesting to me. No, it's 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 fascinating. And that's kind of why I that's why I've I've always been so interested in this in this like 
not regarding in this particular situation, but just in general, Kanye and Drake's beef, because I can't imagine that if there was, you know, the thing about the Kardashians is their loyalty. Their loyalty to each other is unmatched, right? And so I know, you know, Kanye was upset with Travis when um, Drake was on sicko mode, but I'm talking, let's talk at least just within the sisters. Like there's this real sense of if you're, if any of you or if any of your partners are beefing with someone, like that's not, we are not going to, hang out with them. Like we stick with our family. So I just can't imagine that like Kim had an affair with Drake and everybody is still just like, I I don't see a world in which that's the case, you know? No, I I don't see it either. But it's not that I think that Kim and Drake had an affair in any way, shape or form. That's not at all what I'm saying. But I think that I'm trying to think of how I want to explain this because it makes sense in my head. And I know when I say it out loud, it's not going to make sense. I think that there's like a view of Calabasas, right? Like when you look at celebrities in Calabasas that kind of live a life that unless you are put in the middle of that, unless you are actively there, unless you are actively part of that group, you don't know what goes down. So like we can, you know, theorize all day. No, he didn't. She didn't sleep with him. No, Kylie did it. No, Kylie would never do that to Travis. But like, I think there is so much that goes down inside that little Calabasas bubble that we'll never actually know about. And I'm not saying it happens. Like, that's not the point of this. I'm just saying, like, I think there's way more to the story in terms of Drake and the family and Travis and all of these pieces fitting together that is information we're just not privy to. Okay, I agree with you wholeheartedly a million percent. Also, because anytime that we have heard things, not just about Calabasas, but about any of these other kind of like very tight-knit celebrity situations that, you know, even when you hear one little thing, you realize like, okay, there is so much that goes on that we as the public like don't know. And, and I get that. I guess for me, if I had to choose, and I'm not saying it was either one of them, it's a lot more logical for me that Kylie did specifically one. She wasn't married to Travis. There were points when they weren't together versus Kim cheating on her husband, Kanye with him. I don't see Kim. I think Kim's too smart for it. And now that that's not to say Kylie's not, but I think like it would have been more fair game for Kylie at a certain point, you know? Like I just, yeah. also I think, I think there's no way that some of Kylie's friends haven't slept with Drake and some of, you know, Kim's friends. Ky, uh, Kanye had alluded to that previously years ago. Like I think Drake's definitely sexually involved with some probably friends of the family, whether at any point it was any of them, I don't know, but if you're asking me my, like, cause I know a lot of people ask my hundred percent opinion is Kim did not have an affair with him. Yeah. I don't think it happened either. Like I, I really don't. And I don't even think that Kylie and Travis slept together. I mean, Kylie and Drake slept together. Cause I don't think that she would do that to Travis. But I think when you're looking at this situation, especially with the Kardashians, like people love a conspiracy theory regarding them. So you can take any situation and manipulate it to fit your narrative and find things to feed into what you're saying. It doesn't mean that that's based in fact, even if you find things to support it, because you can, you can take anything and manipulate it to fit your narrative. So Mm -hmm. I think in this situation, there's probably a lot of information that we're not privy to. And I don't mean that from like a sexual angle. I think that any relationship platonically involving Drake and the Kardashians is probably like, up for examination, especially the way that Kanye sees it. Um, So I think that if you're looking at that and you're kind of looking at it with an agenda of trying to prove they did sleep together, they didn't, there's more to the story. He slept with her. Like, yeah, you could probably find a lot of things to fit that narrative. It doesn't mean that that's true. 
Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I think that's, that's accurate. You know, I just, it's, it's crazy because, um, I think when all of these famous people's names are being brought in, you know, if you're Kim, right? Like on one hand, you are obviously her, her, I would imagine that her number one concern is Kanye and his safety and his mental health and her children and her family. Like, of course that's her number one. Right. But then there's Kim Kardashian and the celebrity. And that's someone who has, I'm sure their family has a lot of secrets. And I don't mean that negatively. All everybody does specifically famous people. And I think there's a lot of stuff that she was probably not expecting to be brought to light or names to be brought to light, whether or not those are true or not, even if there's just things that she just didn't want to speak on. And so I think it adds a very complicated element when other people are being brought in because then now she has to kind of figure out how that, how she wants to address that and if they want to address it. And then you know, if those people are going to address it and it just, it just complicates things in a way that I think like, yeah, every single one of us, every single one of us, even those of us who genuinely are, I really think looking at this with like a lot of care, like how serious it is, are still interested in the, in the kind of celebrity aspect of it because it's, it's on, it's uncharted territory. You know, we don't typically, we don't typically get this kind of um, raw unfiltered names of other famous people being thrown around, but you know, we're all, we're all interested, but I just think like, I, I, I'm speaking for myself. I bring myself back and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, this is interesting. And like, yes, I would fucking die to know what happened with the whole Larsa situation and what the deals with Drake. But the bottom line is like, this is for Kim, this is her life. Like this is her actual life that it's going on. In addition to everything else, I'm speaking solely on this one aspect, not everything we spoke about before. And like, right. No, that's just scary. Um, and I think that just adds probably another like layer of anxiety. And I just, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to, I don't know what to say about this whole situation that would make any of it better. Cause there's nothing we can say to make it better. All I can say, and I know you feel the same way is my mind is with all of them. Like I am thinking so deeply about Connie, about Kim, about Chris, about the whole family, about the kids. And I am just hoping there's some sort of resolution. I hope that he gets the help that he needs. I hope that he's willing to get the help that he needs. And I hope that, you know, they can all collectively heal from this because he's a person and they are people and it's being magnified in a way that is really, really scary for anyone. So I just like, I don't know, you know? Yeah. I mean, listen, this situation is nothing if not complex and I think that we have to be really aware of the narrative that we're like spreading when we're talking about the situation and not just, you know, not just the mental health, like a side of it. That's obviously important. And that's what we're focused on, you know, and that's what we're talking about is making sure that, you know, through all of this, we're still actively working to remove that stigma and kind of, you know, talking about this as the isolated incident that it is and involving one person rather than an entire community you know, aside from the mental health aspect of it, I think we also have to be really cautious of the way we're framing Kim in this conversation. And I know we spoke about this earlier, but like, I think it is really important to keep remembering that like, Kim is not responsible for the actions of Kanye. Like Kim is his wife. Kim is doing the best she can. Kim's 
trying to keep him safe. But I think that running with this narrative that Kim somehow has a responsibility and should have ended this and this is her fault is like so damaging. Like, and I think we've all seen like a lot of tweets pointing at this saying like, it is not a woman's fault for not being able to control a man. Like this Kanye, regardless of what's going on, like with him and his mental health, like that is in no way, shape or form Kim's fault. And there should be no blame on her. And also with Kanye, like the way his tone is towards Kim, I think also has to be examined. I think somebody tweeted um, and said something like, uh, I can't remember the exact tweet, but it was like, no way am I going to be slut shamed in front of the entire world by my husband. Because we have to remember that like he was talking about Playboy and he was talking about a lot of things Kim did previously. And I... I can't say that he's in the right frame of mind to know what he's logically saying and what he's spewing, but it is a direct hit at Kim when he is doing that, regardless of that's his, if that's his intention or not. And I just think that we have to keep that in mind when we're discussing this situation. I think that everybody in this situation, Kanye especially, but Kim included, needs to be handled with as much sensitivity as possible. I totally agree. And the point that you made earlier in the episode when you were saying like, you know, uh, speaking about him in in a mean or shameful way is also taking down other people with mental illness. That's the same way that I feel when people are shaming Kim. You are now shaming by doing that publicly. You are now shaming every other family member or loved one that hasn't been able to help their person because it's a really shitty feeling. I've been there. I've been the person trying to help and it's a really, really hard feeling. And I just, it's not fair. And I just, you know, all we can do, like as a group, as us, as everybody listening, as like the world, let's just try to just approach us with a lot of kindness, hope that they can heal from this. And, you know, I don't know. I I, I really am wishing them the best. And I, I just, I know everybody's kind of looking for a place to talk about this. So we wanted to give that to you guys. We wanted to give that to you guys, but we also wanted to really make sure to highlight the important issue here. And as always, I love every single one of you. I thank you for listening. I thank you for, I don't know, just everything. It's really nice to feel like we have this community of like-minded, kind people that are interested, but in like a very non-intrusive way because the tone in our inboxes and our emails was, I think, unique. Like pretty much every single person started it with like, this is a very serious, like serious sensitive issue and I don't want to take away from that. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. And I think that's unique. And so I just, uh, I don't know. I, I love you guys. And the final thing that I think would be a good way to end this is, as you know, we had raised $15,000 and donated 10000 of our own dollars to the Loveland Foundation, which is an organization started by Rachel Cargill that um, provides therapy for Black girls and Black women. And if there's, you know, we'll put the link in this description because I think if there's one thing we can all agree on, it's the fact that everybody needs, should have access to therapy if they want it. It's one of the most important things. Personally, it's the best thing I've ever done. And uh, if we can, you know, by awareness of this episode, get some donations to that organization, I think that would be a really good use of this. So we love you guys and we will see you on Monday for our regular episode. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy 
that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.